This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Sask Ag Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sask Ag Today. Here's what we got going on on this Thursday. The Saskatchewan Crop Report indicates what most likely many already know, dry conditions affecting yield potential. The second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture weighed in on the change in the federal agriculture file from yesterday. And stripper headers on combines may be the way of the future to deal with the dry conditions during harvest. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. SaskAg Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. The stubborn dry conditions affecting crop yield potential of Saskatchewan crops. The Saskatchewan Crop Report says harvest has begun in the driest areas, the west central and southwest regions. Rain fell in a few areas, ranging from 37 to 40 millimeters to just trace amounts. Producers are wanting substantial moisture, as some areas have gone 30 days without precipitation. Crop specialist Matthew Struthers says for some farmers, the rain is too little, too late. Uh, Very, very tough to see once again. And, uh, and, you know, that crop yield potential that's out there uh, for many producers in the south, you know, it's set in, doesn't matter how much rain they get now. uh, They're not going to see any benefit to it uh, besides, you know, getting into the soils. Uh, There might be some later seeded crops up in the north uh, that that could use a bit more moisture if they uh, can hold on just a little bit longer through this heat. Um, But overall, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where where yield is at once we uh, see more combines out there in the field. While the west-central and southwest regions have begun desiccating crops and combines are following suit, Struthers believes the harvest for everywhere else could begin soon. The areas that just received rainfall, um, you know, last week and, and coming into this week, they might be held off just a little bit longer. You know, that might keep the crop uh, greener just a, just a hair longer. Um, but overall, I think I think we're going to see an early harvest um, start uh, for for every region across the province. You know, it's it's getting very dry up there in the north as well. Um, you know, and so I think I think yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see once it does start. But uh, if I was a betting man, I would say it's going to be earlier than than normal. He says all season long, topsoil moisture conditions province-wide have been steadily declining. For cropland, it's rated as 15% adequate, 48% short, and 37% very short. Uh, And then for hay and pasture, it's rated as 8% adequate, 43% short, and 49% very short. So um, the soils out there are very, very dry. Um, And then when you couple that with, uh, you know, the heat that we're getting, uh, there's really not much for crops to do except for, Uh, you know, rapidly grow and and try to finish their life cycles before they're completely cooked off. So uh, what we really, really need now is a a good rain, a good uh, good soaker, give a bit of a reprieve to those crops out there and those uh, grasses on the hay and pasture lands. So hopefully we get that weather. I know in the forecast they're calling some warmer days as well still here. So uh, we'll see what happens. Hang operations are almost complete with 5% standing, 13% cut, and 82% baled or put up for silage. You know, with the hot, dry weather we had this week, I'd assume that most producers will be able to finish that up and take stock of the feed, uh, the feed that they're going to have for the winter. And 
Um, you know, overall, it's been disappointing hay crop for many producers, especially down there in those dry areas of the south and west central regions, and then into even into the western half of the, the east central region as well. There's just pockets of dryness all across the province, and, and it's very tough to see. So producers are taking stock of what they have, and uh, the assumption is that uh, they'll be looking for a lot of feed uh, going into the winter if, if they were low on their hay crops. So um, you know, overall, hay quality seems to be good. You know, 66% of it's rated as as good. So, you know, that's a promising thing to see. It's just those hay yields are, are lower than we would hope. Regarding crop damage, strong winds, drought stress, hail, extreme heat, grasshoppers and gophers took their toll on some crops, and many producers stopped applying pest control products. Back with Saskag today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskag Today is brought to you by Prairie 6-Inch. For Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, size matters. So see Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, your farm shop specialist. PrairieEavesTrough.ca Southwest Saskatchewan has drew the short end of the stick when it comes to the weather. Shannon Chant, a crops extension specialist based in Swift Current, says the temperature in that part of the province has been in the high 20s to low 30s since mid-May. The crops have suffered from heat stress and are shorter than normal and wouldn't be surprised if some farmers have already started harvesting this week or next week. I would expect some of the peas to go off and maybe some lentils as well. You know, harvesting that early in this point in the season, that's uh, usually not a good sign, is it? No, I mean, some years because we do get seeded um, earlier than other parts of the province, sometimes the first week or two for pulses isn't, uh, sorry, first week or two in August isn't usually that abnormal, but we are, I'd say, a week or two early. So, yeah, usually that means things are kind of shutting down and, and maturing and in some cases drying up. We did have some moisture over the weekend, but unfortunately with that came some hail too, so I know I've heard of some spots that have some fairly significant damage from hail. And at this point, that's kind of a little bit later on. I mean, it's possible you could have a bit of regrowth, but not at a time that would probably, especially with heavy damage, would significantly impact kind of yield and harvest. And you mentioned the hail. I kind of heard uh, mm-hmm. from Saturday that there was uh, quite a bit of a hailstorm. Uh, what have you been hearing uh, from people you know uh, in that area uh, just in terms of like, you know, how much there was, uh, the damage and all that sort of thing? I've heard it was kind of spotty. Um, uh, we have an acreage north of Swift Current and we didn't have any hail at all. Um, there was some hail, I know, in the city. And then at some of the research plots that are outside of the city that are just kind of east of Swift Current, they got a fair bit of hail and took some of the plots and some of the crops right out. And then a bit further south, there wasn't hail damage at that spot. So it's kind of variable. But yeah, we did have a a tornado watch and a heat warning on for a lot of the weekend. So we definitely got some weather out of it. Yeah, and uh, just kind of going back to the crops and the kind of the likelihood of the early harvest, uh, just in case if I didn't hear it already, um, out of all the different types of crops that have been planted, you know, um, spring cereals, lentils, pulses, uh, I could imagine, you know, all those would likely be uh, early harvested or anything like that, or which crops would you say would likely uh, come off first? Probably to come off first um, would be, I'd expect the pulses to come off first. That's what I've seen uh, kind of changing color the most. 
but I have also seen some cereal crops too that are, you know, that are, are growing from green to kind of brown or to tan to uh, kind of harvest time. If you look at the field, um, you do have to look at the seeds as well just to check for moisture. Because sometimes if you look at the field, it's the um, seed heads um, or the pods that are dried out, but the seed isn't necessarily ready. So it is something that's important to double check. But probably pulses would be pulses and cereals would be first, and then probably canola mustard uh, would be a bit later on. Shannon Chant is a crops extension specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, based in Swift Current. You're listening to Saskag Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Ryan Young. Now today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94, brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. While the recent gains in canola on the Intercontinental Exchange were likely generated by the spreaders, the market will probably become choppy. That's according to Ken Ball, a trader with PI Financial in Winnipeg. While it's uncertain as to how long canola could be on the upswing, Ball expects it to last at least two to three days. Ball says it's hard to tell who exactly is behind the upward shift in canola, but it might even be some of the packers themselves. Rain across most of the prairies during mid-July brought some relief to struggling crops, although some areas of the region missed out while other parts have received too much. As several of the grains and oil seeds made modest to sharp gains recently, with some trimming back, Ball says the markets will now pause to see how the crops finish developing. Statistics Canada has released its June oilseed crush and grain delivery statistics, showing a small decline for the former, but larger gain for the latter from the month before. Oil seed processors in Canada crushed 772,345 metric tons of canola last month, as well as 139,164 tons of soybeans for the month of June, for a total of 911,509 tons of oilseed crush, a decrease of 3,425 tons from May, and an increase of 114,896 from June of 2022. The canola crush was a slight increase from the 769,942 metric tons processed in May, with 323,308 tons used for oil and 457,628 used for meal. In June of 2022, 660,215 metric tons of canola seed were crushed. For soybeans, the June crush was slightly below maize, which had 144,992 metric tons. In June, 26,409 tons of soy oil were produced, as well as 110,017 tons of soy meal. In June of 2022, 136,698 metric tons of soybeans were crushed. A British Columbia program aims to put more provincial farmland back into production. The BC Land Matching Program pairs new and young farmers with land throughout the province. The province says the program, delivered by the Young Agrarians Resource Network, has helped to match 284 new farmers with land in BC. The program helps new and established farmers start and expand their farm operations and create more regional and sustainable farmland. 
Meanwhile, U.S. lawmakers from both political parties are pushing legislation that would limit who can own American farmland with a latest effort from Democratic Senator Cory Booker aimed at curbing corporate ownership. Farm groups and lawmakers are concerned that land buys by investors in foreign countries are driving up farmland prices and threatening national security. Booker's Farmland for Farmers Act, introduced today, would ban most corporations, pension funds and investment funds from buying or leasing farmland. Institutional investors, including Nuveen Natural Capital, a subsidiary of TIAA and UBS farmland investors, own $15.9 billion of farmland, according to the National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries Farmland Index. The average price of an acre of U.S. farmland was $3,800 U.S. in 2022, a record high and up 75% from 2008, according to USDA data. Northern communities are increasingly using greenhouses to grow their own produce. Andrew Spring is an assistant professor at Wilfrid Laurier University and a Canada Research Chair in Northern Sustainable Food Systems. He says food security has been an issue across the North because of the high cost of groceries and the long-term impacts of colonization on Indigenous communities there. In the western Arctic town of Inuvik, Northwest Territories, there's a community greenhouse in a former hockey arena that runs April to September. Inside, tomatoes, zucchinis, beans, wildflowers and herbs grow in rows upon rows of raised garden beds. And that's today's Ag Review. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your agri-weather forecast on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, sunshine, then partly cloudy this afternoon. Winds from the northwest at 20 kilometers an hour, high of 25 degrees. Tonight, just a few clouds with winds from the northwest at 20 kilometers an hour, then changing to the northeast at 20 kilometers an hour, low of 8. Tomorrow, partly cloudy and a 30% chance of showers late in the afternoon and a risk of a thunderstorm, high of 21. Tomorrow night, cloudy and a 60% chance of showers, a low of 13. Saturday, partly cloudy, high of 25, a low of 11. Sunday, cloudy, high of 24, the low 14. Monday, partly cloudy, high of 27, the low 16. Tuesday, sunshine, high of 29, low 14. And Wednesday, sunshine, high of 28. Normal highs for this period are at 26, normal lows 11. The sun rose at 519 this morning, and the sun will set at 850 tonight. Taking a look around the province, Estvan is at 28 degrees. They're also the hot spot in the province. Swift Current and Yorkton are at 21, Saskatoon 15, and Weyburn 25. The cool spot is a tie between Loon Lake and Island Falls at 11. In Regina, mainly sunny with a west-northwest wind at 26, gusting up to 38 kilometers an hour, humidity at 45%. 
Temperature 23 degrees or 73 Fahrenheit. The barometric pressure is at 101.5 and rising. Down the road in Moose Jaw, mainly sunny as well. Northwest wind at 28 to 39 kilometers an hour. Temperature is also 23 degrees. Once again in the Queen City, mainly sunny. West-northwest wind at 26 to 38 kilometers an hour. And the temperature is at 23 degrees. Back in a moment. You're tuned to Saskag Today on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskag Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com. And brought to you by Pannison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Lawrence McCauley is replacing Marie-Claude Bibeau after yesterday's cabinet shuffle. Canadian Federation of Agriculture Second Vice President Todd Lewis reacted to the news. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, Minister Bibeau says she uh, moves, uh, moves out of agriculture and into another cabinet position. I, I think, to be fair, uh, you know, she came into agriculture not, uh, not really knowing a whole bunch much about ag and, uh, or the file, and uh, she certainly is... Uh, has uh, you know learned the file over the last number of years, so uh, you know I think we can wish her well in, in her new endeavors. And uh, of course, with Mr. with uh, Minister McCauley coming back to agriculture, uh, that's who Madame Bebo replaced uh, a number of years ago there. So so uh, certainly Minister McCauley is uh, is uh, familiar to the file and to uh, you know the people in agriculture as well. So so it's uh, you know I think it, it, overall I think we can look at it as a positive that. Uh, you know, we have a minister in place here now that uh, there won't be a big learning curve as far as, as uh, understanding the file and, and uh, some of the issues that uh, we're, we're having now in agriculture. And, and uh, you know, I think we're fortunate that we, we don't have a brand new person that uh, perhaps didn't have, didn't have much experience in agriculture uh, taking over this. So I think we we'll look forward to working with Mr. McCauley and, and, uh, and uh, it'll be interesting as we go forward uh, uh, you know what what we can get done done with uh, with Mr. Mr. McCauley being the new minister. He doesn't expect there will be much of a change in direction from Minister McCauley. Well, I think that's that's uh, part of it. I, it. It'll be interesting. I I'm not sure. You know, uh, uh, not, don't understand if there's going to be a uh, new uh, uh, directive letter or or uh, from the PMO. Quite often, when there are a cabinet shuffle like that, they'll. They'll get a, a letter, you know, from the Prince Prime Minister's office that, uh, you know, gives them direction, you know, what the what the Prime Minister would like to see done in those files over the next number of months. So that kind of acts as a template towards uh, towards some of the, you know, get a bit of a signal on, on what might be worked at. So I think those are those are just things that we're we're uh, looking forward to, and it's it's kind of unknown right now if the if those letters are going to be given out and and made public as well. So so I think. Uh, we look to, look forward to uh, meeting with Minister McCauley, and again at this level, of course, uh, you know, will there be changes in staff at the in the bureaucracy? You know, as far as the um, the ag, ag minister staff and deputy ministers and the assistant deputy ministers and those kind of things too. So it all takes time to work itself out, and we'll be uh, looking forward to uh, meeting with Minister Minister McCauley in the near future. The new transport minister is Pablo Rodriguez, and Lewis says that will be an interesting portfolio to watch. No, we don't know much about uh, about Mr. Rodriguez, but at the same time, uh, transport's always important with uh, with uh, with uh, uh, 
agriculture as well as labor, as we can kind of see what's happening at the at the coast as well, right? Uh, and uh, I don't know if uh, Minister O'Regan was changed or not, but uh, you know it's a it's a time uh, right now in ag that we uh, are going to rely on tra- our transportation systems and of course uh, good labor relations going forward to uh, get this this year's crop moved and and uh, into the future to uh, you know supply our customers in a timely fashion. So. I uh, look forward to meeting with those those ministers as well, and and uh, it's uh, it's always a lobby effort, and uh, some of the faces change here and so on, but uh, only time will tell as we uh, move forward just uh, just uh, how things will will shake down here over the next couple months. Todd Lewis is the second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, and is the former president of APAS. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Ryan Young. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com A well-known agronomist from southern Saskatchewan believes stripper headers on combines that leave long-standing stubble is the way to go for coping with dry conditions. Troy LaForge says several other benefits come from using stripper headers. You know, obviously catching more snow in the wintertime is a, is a big benefit and ultimately uh, protecting the land from wind and uh, other erosive elements at the end of the day. Less fuel usage on our combine, less wear and tear putting straw through, straw through our combines. And then those long straws, when they do end up on the ground, you know, the next year, two years after, they last a lot longer and uh, then a chopped up piece of straw and we just get better moisture retention uh, long term. And yeah, it just provides us with a, a lot of uh, really good benefits. It's really building our soil quality is the big thing. He noted research done in Swift Current that indicated leaving longer stubble helps retain moisture, eventually leading to a better crop yield. There's a couple things that happen. The extra snow, you know, is generally if if we get the snow, you know, let's say another eight to ten inches of snow on average versus a guy that's cut, uh, say, eight inch tall stubble. And, uh, you know, if you look at the stats, uh, you know, and it varies type of snow, but a foot of snow generally gives you about an inch of water. What we're equating by uh, springtime is probably somewhere close to another eight tenths to an inch of water that we get to use in our crop the next year. So, you know, those those are pretty big benefits. But the other piece is some of all the old research that was done at Swift Current uh, by Herb Cutforth. And they basically showed as you had taller stubble, you also had less evaporative losses. And so basically they went 6, 12, 6 inch, 12 inch and uh, stripper cut stubble. And they basically found um, that you would gain 5% more yield if you went 6 inch, 10% if you went 12 inch, and then 14% if you stripped that stubble. So. The evaporative losses are less, plus you gain more water, so it's kind of a one plus one equals th- uh, three scenario. LaForge said producers may be concerned about the cost associated with the practice. Yeah, and that's that's always a concern with growers. You're always concerned about costs, and you know, if you're doing that and say you're a pea or lentil grower, you may not use it in that crop, so now you have to own a second header. You know, and, and obviously as costs are always a concern, you, you do need to uh, think about that in your budgeting process. But I, I would contend that the, the, the important part there is that if you're going to increase productivity of your land, especially over the long term, um, that header is probably going to more than pay for itself and provide a good return. 
The use of stripper headers along with disc drills is more common in U.S. states like Montana and the Dakotas. He says it's being adopted in southern Alberta and southern Saskatchewan as drought conditions continue and believes it will continue to gain popularity. And we've really seen a lot of our manufacturers uh, locally step up uh, to the plate on disc drills recently. Uh, We've got K-Hart Industries in the province, we've got Borgo, Pillar, you know, we've got quite a few manufacturers locally that are actually working on good technologies that would really help us to keep doing a better and better job of seeding into that. LaForge farms in the Cadillac area and has adopted the use of stripper headers and disc drills in his operation. We'll take a break. We'll be back right after this. Here's the market updates with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were mostly up in early trading today. Durham is up $21.80 to 447 80 a metric ton. Canola is down $5.30 to $762.92. And number one red spring wheat is up $15.37 to $397.37. The rest were unchanged. Feed barley 335.61, chickpeas 1036.17, flax 501.98, lentils 702.50, oats 250.32, yellow peas 335.92, and feed wheat 270.97. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for September is up nine and three quarter cents to nine dollars and five and a half cents a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now, the Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of July the 26th. Wow, another big run here in Yorkton for this time of the year. We had 840 cows again with 450 feeder cattle. 30 cow calf pairs, a total of 1,350 head going to the ring. With this many cows moving, the market was under pressure. I would say it held up very well, though. D1, D2 cows, 138 to 148, sales to 155, 158. D3 cows, 128 to 138. Older type cows with lumps and bumps, 90 to a dollar. Cows are averaging 140. From that South Coast area, 1,500-pound cows, they topped out at 159. Bulls, they were actually a little higher here this week. We had uh, over 90 bulls for sale. Good bulls, 152 to 162, sales to 170, 171. Bulls are averaging 162. Also from that good salt coats area, 2,000-pound bull topped out at 173. On to the feeder market. Here are some highlights from that good Melvi area. What a set of yearlings he had. 835-pound tan steers, 334. 880-pound tan steers at 309. 950-pound tan steers at 302. On the heifers, 780-pound tan heifers, 295. 840-pound tan heifers at 286. A job well done to the Reese family. Also, from that salt coats area, 600-pound black steers topped out at 371. And we had a ring full of black heifers weighing 630 pounds. They topped out at 328. And the 700-pound black heifers, they topped out at 303. A job well done there. 30 pairs also sold yesterday. Good pairs, 3,200 right to 3,800. Older type pairs, 25 to 2,900, averaging 29.50. First pre-sort will be for all classes of cattle, Wednesday, August the 9th, only a one-day sort. Please phone in your consignments. 
That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. The latest pork prices are at $246.76 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Russian President Vladimir Putin told leaders and officials from most African countries today that his nation is making full efforts to avert a global food crisis despite concerns that its withdrawal from a deal allowing grain shipments from Ukraine will cause price spikes. While discussing the halted Black Sea grain deal, Putin promised large, no-cost shipments of grain to six African countries. Putin said Russia intends to ship up to 50,000 tons of grain aid to Burkina Faso, Zimbabwe, Mali, Somalia, Eritrea, and the Central African Republic in the next three to four months. The Alberta Energy Regulator says 12 Canada geese were stained with oil after landing on a lagoon at an Imperial oil facility. It says the geese were found after Imperial reported earlier this week that it had accidentally released an estimated 900 liters of crude oil into a processed water lagoon at one of its plants. The birds were taken to a specialist site for cleaning and rehabilitation. Cleanup efforts are ongoing. On the markets, the TSX is down 53 points to 20,508. The Dow is up just 6 points to 35,526. Oil is up $1.38 at $80.16 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is at 75.80 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskag Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. And that's another edition of Saskag Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.